All right, welcome in to a Sunday night edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as always. I mean, he keeps showing up, and thank God he showed up this week because I had another best bet loser. I was hot for a while, and now I've lost three straight, but Griffin came to the rescue and got a win with VCU, so we come in one and one on the week. But uh, Griffin Warner joins me. Griffin, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fine. Happy Sunday. Uh, looking forward to the holiday tomorrow. So hopefully everyone is uh, tuned in, locked in, and loaded because we got some winners for you. Anything surprise you from this weekend? I know you said you caught the uh, the SMU Memphis game today, but any anything on the, the the rest of the board catch your attention? We're trying to keep this a 30 minute episode, I think, but uh, plenty. Uh, I think so. Did go to SMU uh, Memphis today. Was very surprised by Penny Hardaway. I just, I'm not sure what he does as a coach on the sideline. But I think most surprising to me was uh, the general uproar because I had like four or five different texts during the game about Juwan Howard and uh, from people that don't really follow a ton of college basketball, some of them. I mean, some do. But uh, so that was quite a game to like dip out early on and not see the ending. I don't know if I would call it a punch. Um, but a little open hand slap to a Wisconsin assistant coach. Um, going to be a tough, uh, I'm not sure if Jawan Howard's going to be coaching the rest of the year. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of post game handshake violence going on over the last couple weeks. I don't know what's going on with that. There's a lot of tension going on and it seems, I don't know. It seems like it's like, coaches slapping other coaches like are they are they talking that much during the game or was this just a situation where you know honestly this like the fact that it's Jawan and this Michigan team it doesn't feel that crazy because you've got to imagine they are feeling if you remember coming into this season they were the second favorite to win the NCAA tournament now I don't know that they're making the tournament. So like that you, there's got to be some real pressure going on with Juwan and just getting your ass kicked by, you know, a bunch of uh, dudes with flat tops is just got to be frustrating as hell. Uh you've got this team that was supposed to be so great and they're they're just not. Uh it, and I think maybe we like it's kind of funny that in hindsight you when you think about how much Michigan lost and we and people were just like ah, no big deal I mean sure they, they just lost like Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers and Chandra Brown and Mike Smith they I mean they lost a lot of guys they're even their backup big Austin Davis is like a pro in Europe now they lost five professional basketball players and granted they brought in a couple five stars but like it's funny the way you look at Dickinson now. It, like it's much more difficult to run your offense through a guy like him than to let him be a piece of a bigger, better puzzle, where almost everyone on the else, everyone else on the floor can score. So, uh, Michigan, there, I think there's some real frustration kind of boiling over right now, and they need to go on a pretty serious run if they're going to have a, a chance to make the tournament. They, I mean, there's some some games that'll look good down the stretch if they can win them. I don't know that they're winning all these games. Ken Palm has them projected to go four and one down the stretch. They've got four home games, Rutgers, Illinois, Michigan State, and Iowa, all projected as wins. I'm not sure about that. And then the, the projected loss is their, their uh, finale on the road at Ohio State. 
But I, I mean, I think they'd need to go at least four and one to have even thoughts about an at large. Uh, and remember, they they just beat Iowa, uh, you know, last week. So I'm sure I was looking for revenge for that. I think they match up really poorly against Illinois. Uh, I thought that the first, I mean, they matched up incredibly poorly against Michigan state. So I, I don't know what to think of this team. Uh, th- this is a, one of the bigger disappointments, certainly in college basketball this year. Yeah, no bad losses. Um, so I, I wouldn't say the, uh, goose is cooked just yet, but, uh, certainly they've doubled their loss total and then some from last season, uh, expectations were high and I'm thinking of that four or excuse me, five game stretch with four home games. I'm thinking three and two is probably the most likely result there. Uh, I mean, maybe if they get to 18 and 12 going four and one, uh, and then don't lose a bad game in the big 10 tournament, maybe that's enough. Losses aren't so bad. It's funny you say that because like some of the losses that they have at the time seemed pretty good. And have oh, let me say Minnesota. Sorry, apologies. Not That's aged not great. Well. Not great. Like, Central Florida hasn't aged that well. Central Florida was like a top fifty team when when uh, when they lost to them. Uh, North Carolina certainly hasn't aged well. I don't. I think even like the Seton Hall loss has has aged kind of poorly. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of. I don't know. That, I mean, it's the Big Ten. There's not a lot of. I mean, unless you lose to to Nebraska or Minnesota, there's not a lot of bad losses to be had. But I mean, Rutgers isn't great, even though it's on the road. Everybody has a hard time at the rack. But it, man, I, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know that they've done enough because their their best. I mean, they've got a win over Purdue and a win over Iowa, and then it's a bunch of like is Indiana still a great win? I I don't know. I I, I don't think Indiana's all that great. I don't know that Indiana's a, a surefire tournament team. So uh, lots of questions about them for sure. But that okay. That's enough Michigan basketball. <laughs> I don't, it, I was. It's a nice aside, but uh, but really, I mean, we can't spend all day on them. They do play Rutgers. Uh, so you're not. Point. So you're not going to go eighty to one on them to win the the title. This is what you're. I'll, saying. I will certainly pass, especially given what we know now about uh, our friend Jawan, yeah. uh, who's who's feeling a little slappy. Uh, let's start in the Big East, though, in one of the better matchups all season long out there in the Big East, and looks like it's going to be about a pick on Tuesday with Villanova and UConn. UConn hosting Villanova. Villanova uh, got one of the better wins of the season. It was one of those wins where you know people were talking up Providence, and Providence was, was riding high. And you know Villanova goes into the dunk and gets a nice win over them. Uh, follow it up with an unspectacular performance at home against Georgetown like they're the, everybody's blowing out Georgetown these days and somehow Nova kind of let them hang around in that game maybe that's like a, a look ahead to this UConn game because they don't play again until next Tuesday so maybe they they took a little off in that Georgetown game uh to get into this one but what, what do you see here in this matchup between these two teams so I think Villanova is, is trying their best to take back that Big East crown from a Providence team that no one really seemed to believe in on Twitter or anywhere. Um, but as we've talked about in this podcast, Providence was really fortunate. And all you can do is beat the teams riddled with COVID that are on your schedule. Um, and they did a good job of that. Uh, I think in terms, for, I think UConn is the the bigger question mark here. I think we know what Villanova we're going to get from them. They're going to be a really tough road team. They're 
filled with veteran players that shoot jump shots and can make threes. Uh, and I don't think that we can really trust UConn to do that sort of thing. Um, I think Adama Sanogo is an awesome interior presence for UConn, but um, doesn't ever pass when the ball goes into him. So I feel like people have learned that and now are doubling him and that doesn't go very well. Um, once the double team actually hits and the UConn kind of surroundings, I, I think they have some good talented players, but they're just not on a level that really scare me right now. Uh, and, and, you know, I just don't know, like, yeah, Sonogo's 7% assist, like efficiency rate is, is not great. Uh, especially when he literally could find any of the other four players on the court past the two uh, for a shot attempt. But um, instead of waxing poetic, I just, I don't know that I believe in the UConn offense. I think Dan Hurley is a little bit of a, a, a firecracker on the sidelines, which doesn't go very well because they kind of explode in your hand. Um, and I just don't know that I really want to back UConn against a team that I feel like they're inferior to just because of a home court. Yeah. If you remember that first game, uh, Nova was up 23 points in the second half and it ends up being an 11 point win at UConn. And that was one of those games. When I looked at the box score today, I said, well, it, like how did Son- um, with UConn, it's how did they, how did Sonogo do? How did RJ Cole do? And Sonogo was seven of nine, 14 points. RJ Cole was five of nine, had 20, 25 points. So they both had great days. And then the other thing for Villanova is, well, how'd they shoot from three? They they shot 54% from three, but it was six of 11. So it's not like they were just lighting it up from outside. They were 23 of 38 from two, which is unusual for Villanova to score so many of their points from inside the arc. Um, it just felt like, like that game was a, a – they like Villanova was just better than them. And it wasn't an awful showing by UConn. You know, they, they didn't shoot poorly particularly. It was just they, – they just weren't as good. And Nova – I mean, by halftime, this game was was basically over. It was a, it was a double-digit game at halftime, um, and it was like – it was out of control by late in the fourth. And then, you know, UConn makes a nice little run to get back in it. But I, I'm with you. I don't want to count on this UConn team. Uh, I, I feel like we're probably – having to 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 buy a little bit high on them because they're coming off three straight wins but those wins are teams the the St. John's win actually looks pretty decent right now but Seton Hall and Xavier both look like teams that are just completely falling off the map like those and those were both home games uh now they get they get Nova coming in here and Nova is they figured it out whatever was wrong with them early in the season has been figured out and you know those two Marquette losses aside, it's I mean since the calendar flipped, they've been really good. And like if, if Villanova is one of those teams, if I had to fill out a bracket today, Villanova is probably in my Final Four. Um, so and they're not typically the kind of team that I like, uh, but because I like they they are very reliant on on three point shooting, but they're incredibly efficient. They're better on defense than they I feel like they should be. They make a ton of free throws. Um, and obviously they, they are well coached and they're the hot hand right now. So I, 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 like you said, going on the road, isn't enough to dissuade me. Um, this is a team that we just, like I said, we just saw go into, into Providence and get a win, a, a huge win, uh, over a team that was, that looked like they couldn't lose at the time. So 
I will I, I will lean certainly to Villanova here. Not a strong take either way, but at a pick'em, I, I I think I'd have to go with with the uh, with, with Novo. All right, let's move on to our next game, and we're going to go out west for San Diego State. We've been talking a lot of uh, Mountain West lately. We have, uh, but San Diego State at Boise. And we're looking at Boise as about a three-point favorite here. San Diego State, they're not sexy. They're not flashy. But they're getting the job done. And they really took it to Fresno the other day in a game that we talked about. That was last week. Or last uh, last week we talked about that game. And they held Fresno to 44 points. And Fresno actually started out really good on defense. and then. Like you saw Matt Bradley get back into that rhythm and they, they just didn't Fresno couldn't score the ball. Like they, they, they could not get anything going on offense, uh, 14 turnovers. They, they got beat up on the, on the boards. It was just a, it was a, it was a bad night for them. And the shooting was incredibly poor eight of 21 from inside the arc. That's not going to get it done. And Orlando Robinson, we talked about maybe he was running out of gas, only nine points for him in that game. So San Diego State kind of peaking at the right time. Uh, Obviously, there's not a lot of easy games in this conference. Boise certainly not going to be easy. They've got Wyoming. They've got another match with Fresno and a a Nevada team that's looking better and better every week. Uh, Boise obviously has been one of the best teams in the league all year. Only two losses, uh, the road loss at Wyoming and then an overtime loss against Colorado State. I, Boise still looks like maybe they're the team to beat in this conference. What do you, what do you see in this matchup? What, what kind of edges do you think either team has? Particularly, And I'll, I'll just go ahead and ask you, do you think Boise can score against this San Diego State defense? So I think Boise can score against the San Diego State defense, but I'm not sure it's going to be very efficient. And... I'm starting to like not really believe in Boise like I did earlier in the season. They had a good cover yesterday, um, but we're in a back and forth game with Utah State at home, which um, was a little bit surprising, but shouldn't be based on kind of how Boise's. I mean, great start, won so many games in a row. A lot of them, thanks to Marcus Shaver, buzzer beaters, or like big comebacks, then hitting a shot to send it to overtime or, or what have you. Um, but the Lions, they've not been getting a ton of respect from the marketplace, um, closing smaller than I made them in a lot of recent games because I've been betting them like a, a lot and it's not been going great. Um, did cover yesterday, but we're a pretty short line at home to Colorado State, went to overtime, uh, lost that one there. And then, as you mentioned, the Wyoming loss um, was, you know, a close game throughout, but I feel like they're. I don't know if they used up all the rabbit's feet that were in the Boise area or what's really happened, but I think, I mean, they're, they're certainly missing some important players like ACOT was out and, and that kind of took them a little bit, I think probably decreased their defensive efficiency a lot more than I really expected it to. But I think one good thing and why I answer why I think they can score against San Diego state is that they're, kind of they figured out a little bit of a new kind of lineup without ACOT in the lineup. And, and he came off the bench in his return for Utah State yesterday. Uh, I think he's still one of their more important players and will be on the floor when they need him. But I feel like they kind of found a lineup that they can play, Shaver who can shoot, 
Max Rice, uh, Leon Rice, the co- head coach's son, and then also Dagenhart, who seems to be this awesome freshman that's a bigger body, uh, but kind of hangs out on the perimeter, can rebound for himself, but also can make threes. So um, when you put that all together, uh, and, and I got to say that Boise's offense has gotten better. I think their defense has gotten worse. And San Diego State is a really tough team to play against. There's not a lot of offense that is going to be coming in to, to Boise. Um, as we kind of talked about, it's it's the Matt Bradley show. He doesn't really seem to pass. And it's almost like Brian Dutcher brought him in just for that reason, because he knew that his team really needed some some help offensively. I think from where I sit with this one, uh, and I, I really don't want to keep backing Boise because it hasn't gone great. And I really haven't felt like very happy about a lot of the bets I've been making on them. Um, their free throws percentage is really, really poor. And, uh, every time they step up for a one-on-one, I feel like it's going the other way, uh, cause they're not even getting any points out of a, a trip to the line. But I, I think from where I sit right now, the San Diego state defense is certainly going to travel. I just don't know that San Diego state can score well enough. Um, I, I don't think they're going to hold Boise under 50. And I think it's going to be tough for San Diego state to hang around, uh, on the road. The first matchup between these two teams there was a whopping 79 points scored total. The final score was 42 to 37 Boise. That was at San Diego State. And both teams had spurts of 10 minutes where they scored. Boise had a, sport, a spurt of 10 minutes where they scored two points. San Diego State had a spurt of 10 minutes where they scored one point. Uh, these teams just struggled incredibly to get any kind of offense going. Ken Palm has this game projected at 115 points, 59 to 56. I would, I think I would be shocked if both teams got into the 50s here. So, uh, you know, you said that you don't think San Diego State can hold Boise to 50 or under 50. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that they, I don't know that they can either, but I don't think, I don't think either of these teams is getting to 60. I, I can say that. So if anything, maybe this game is an under look for me. Um, Boise is it, – they're tough to bet against. I, I, did you mention that you've had some struggle betting on them? Yeah, you know, they've been winning. So they had this really great run, and I kind of didn't believe in it. And then they they kind of made me pay for it uh, with a huge comeback at Utah State, actually, and this was the return game. Um, but I, I guess they, they fought really hard with Wyoming, and I think that was a very close cover uh, on the 25th of January. Um, and then it got me in, in a big comeback at Fresno. So I guess maybe it's a little bit just betting Boise games in general, not so much just on them. Um, but I think what you said, yeah, uh, 115 points on, on Ken Palm or whatever metric system you're looking at. I think Torvik has 114. So uh, we're not expecting a Gonzaga type of performance. No one's getting to 100 unless they play six overtimes. All right, let's go to the SEC where the Kentucky Wildcats, uh, kind of a, a back and forth week for them this week. They they get to go uh, get to go back home or stay home. Pardon me. They just played Alabama at home. They get to stay home for LSU. Who man, it, it, you know, this is a rematch of a game that that got played. I think it was the first conference game, maybe the second conference game of the season for Kentucky, and that was a a five point win at L or a five point loss at LSU for Kentucky. Uh, and now the rematch here, and we're projecting this at about Kentucky minus eight. Kentucky just playing way better ball than LSU, and LSU coming off a loss against a South Carolina team that 
I, I don't know how to put it about South Carolina. I, like, I think South Carolina is better than people think they are, but they're not good by any stretch. Like, that's not a that's not a game you should be losing if you're LSU. And you know, LSU still sitting at 17 in Ken Palm. I don't know that LSU is still one of the the 20 best teams in the country right now. And now you're asking them to go on the road to a Kentucky team that's playing a lot better right now uh, than they were early in the season. This seems like a a pretty good spot for Kentucky. You want to make an argument for the Tigers? <laughs> I definitely don't think they're one of the top 17 teams. They okay. might be one of the top 17 in the SEC that I think has 14 as the last time I checked. Um, yeah, I mean, they led for the whole game against South Carolina. Like only really I see South Carolina with a – a win expectancy, like with the lead, like at the end of the game, like, I, I don't know, man, like LSU, we all, I think started to buy in on, on a really great defense and they have some ugly losses on that resume. Uh, I don't really know what to say about them. Uh, I do think that there are some big issues on the Kentucky side in terms of uh, injuries where they basically didn't even have a backcourt against Alabama yet. They still, uh, rallied from a pretty big first half deficit to come back and win pretty handily towards the end. Um, I, you know, it, there's a lot of, I think, up in the air based on where this line may end up finishing based on who is available for Kentucky in the backcourt. No, yeah, you're right. Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington both missing that game. And we've talked about Kentucky's offense without Ty Ty Washington is basically non-existent. Yet in that game, you know, Kellen Grady shot and he shot the lights out from three. But other than that, it was basically, you know, Brooks and Shibway dunking the ball and, and Jacob Toppin. Like they, they didn't have any real motion in their offense, but it was, I mean, it was good enough to beat an Alabama team who is another SEC team who's kind of the wheels have fallen off. But yeah, I, I think maybe availability is a, a key in this one. Yeah, I think definitely. Uh, and that'll certainly affect where this line ends up settling. But um, just looking at what LSU has done and like, what have you done for me lately? The last uh, win over a solidly in tournament team, I think was a stretch of winning at home against Kentucky and a home against Tennessee in the beginning of January. And they've been playing two games, maybe three games a week since then, uh, at least two. So like it, it's been ugly and it's a really good thing that Will Wade made this ridiculous out of conference schedule playing a lot of the top teams from the lower leagues to really get their, Ken Palm, strength of schedule, whatever, those type of efficiency numbers up as high as they could because they really need it. Uh, and I don't really see them getting right all of a sudden at Kentucky, whether the backcourt is in or not. Yeah, and they, they went some time like where where they were, you know, LSU was banged up and you didn't really you didn't really know who was going to play. I know Tari Eason was uh, he, he was questionable for a bunch of games. Xavier Pinson was, he was, you know, out for a few games. And I thought maybe that was just what it was is, you know, when they didn't have Xavier Pinson and, you know, uh, most of those bad losses, Arkansas, uh, Bama, TCU, you know, Vanderbilt, those were all games that, that, uh, that Pinson didn't play in. And I said, okay, well, he's the, he's kind of the key to their offense. Maybe that's an excuse, but he's been back and it, and things don't look, significantly better so um I, I don't know what to make of this LSU team I this feels like a a, a big fat number and it's not a number that I, I I don't think I'm thrilled to like jump on Kentucky here but 
I'm certainly not in a spot where I'm like, you know what, I, I'll, this is this is where LSU turns it around because I, I don't know that they do turn it around. You know, I, like I'm pretty confident. Like I actually bet on LSU against Georgia because it was a team that, like Georgia, it's just a terrible matchup for them. Like real athletes are going to crush Georgia, and that's what LSU has. But against Kentucky, you're going to have to play basketball, and I I don't trust them to do it. So this is a it's probably a stay away game for me. Uh, if I had to if I had to pick a side, it's probably it's probably Kentucky, and I, I don't feel good about it at that number. But that's probably the only way I could go. Me neither. All right, let's take a look at our last one here: Gonzaga at San Francisco, and this is a tough line for me to project. Um, you said 15 was your projection. Ken Palm, Mr. Ken Pomeroy says nine. Um, I, I can't imagine that there's going to be single digits posted next to Gonzaga in, in conference right now. Uh, even though they just came off a close win over a relatively close win, 12 points over Santa Clara. So I went ahead and, and went with 12 for this game. Um, San Francisco, we kind of talked about them needing that win against St. Mary's. It was almost like an all-in spot for them and didn't get it done. They they lost that game to to St. Mary's and really, you know, St. Mary's was was in control for most of that game. It ends up being a, a five point a five point win for Mary's, but they were up ten with like three or four minutes left. Uh San Francisco, I think, is maybe just kind of running out of steam as the season comes to a close like they, they've other than Pepperdine who they just crushed they've been playing close games like the Portland game was closer than it should have been and then they lost the the return game at home um and I, not that Portland's awful but I just don't know where this where this San Francisco team has has changed that much since the first Gonzaga matchup that they lost by 16 um I, and that was at San Francisco so now now they've got to go on the road. This feels like it could be no. Excuse me. They're they're at, they lost yeah, on the road. They're at home now. Yeah, yeah. But so it feels like this could be kind of the nail in their coffin. Do you think there's any life left in San Francisco to make one last push and, and give Gonzaga a fight? So I do. Um, I don't think in looking at San Francisco and their schedule. And I think a lot of kind of what we talked a little bit before the podcast, there's a lot of spots that are available because the ACC isn't getting eight teams in this year, uh, at least not from what I can see or any of the bracket matrices that I've seen. Um, And so I think there's some room for them, though it would certainly help their case if they could. uh, I think this is probably if they beat Gonzaga, that would be uh, a win in their end type scenario. I don't really see that happening, though. Yeah, it feels. I, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule now. Their best win this season is UAB, and that's not good enough. Like, I don't think that's good enough for an at-large. Um, you know, they they beat Davidson, uh, they beat UNLV. That that's aging better. They beat Fresno, but all of the games in this conference where it, early in the season it looked like, man, maybe maybe San Francisco's right there in the mix to be the second best team in this conference. They got swept by St. Mary's. They split with BYU. But that's not good either because BYU BYU is not a tournament team. Like they they've turned out to be kind of a dud. So I I don't know that they've got any wins that make you go. You know what? San Francisco's in. Like the analytics love them. They're still twenty fourth in Kimpom. But I don't know how good this team is. I don't know what's really changed since that first matchup where 
you know, Gonzaga just kind of did what they wanted uh, in that game. And they, you're, you're talking about a team in Gonzaga right now that is almost coasting. So maybe you look at it like, okay, they, they, they're because the Santa Clara game uh, last night, 81-69, they, they shut it down on offense. They just didn't – it didn't look like they were playing particularly hard in that game, and they knew that they were safe. I don't know if they'll feel that same way with San Francisco, but I also don't know if they're going to look ahead to St. Mary's on the road, which is kind of their, their last you know hurdle of the season – uh, uh, and to to finish conference play unbeaten, that's on set next Saturday. So uh, that'd be a quick turnaround from Thursday. I just don't know what number would have to pop up. I, I think it'd have to be higher than 15 for me to want to play San Francisco here. Well, so, and I'll to not really even defend the number I threw out there. I just, I think I've reached a point now where I'm just trying to make my expectations on Gonzaga lines as high as I possibly can see them. Uh, because I don't really know what a number, a fair, true number to bet against Gonzaga really is at this point. Because um, it seems like they'll cover the spread and win by a million, or they'll lose the game. And I don't know that I really see San Francisco as a team that is going to beat them. Though they played a pretty close game the first time they played. It looks like a lot of three-point shots didn't go in. And if you're playing in a little bit more of a rock fight, and I, I mean, San Francisco does have a lot of size inside. I don't know that they have enough to bother Drew Timmy as much. And maybe the uh, Masalski matchup just seemed to work out that night. Like, I, I don't know. So in, 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 that's a huge number for Gonzaga delay, but like not a rare sight for them. Um, clearly San Francisco needs this game, but they've kind of shown blowing a 23 point lead at home in the first half to St. Mary's that, and, and losing again to them last week that I think they're, they found their level. It's not on a St. Mary's level, which isn't unfortunately to me um, that close to Gonzaga either. Um, and I, you know, I don't know that Gonzaga, I think they, they actually are taking San Francisco uh, seriously because They've had some struggles with with the Dons in past years, and the Dons weren't as good. Um, I want to I want to say they beat them some in the last couple of years. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but uh, and I think from where I sit, the, probably the the weirder or more interesting one is that San Francisco has a game uh, tomorrow night against Pacific, who is awful, but played South uh, Southern Cal USC really tightly um, a couple weeks ago, and I can't imagine that there's a lot of uh, game planning going on for Pacific when you're probably going to be run our stuff, do what we do, but we're trying to get ready for Gonzaga because that win might get us into the tournament. So if there's ever a sleepy spot that you might want to talk about, that might be it. Yeah. And it seems, it seems like San Francisco is a team that I think of as like, Oh, they've got really good size. And in that first matchup, they had no answer for Drew Timmy or Chet Holmgren. Uh, it, Chet Holmgren had 22 points in that game. Drew Timmy had 23 um, both of them, they, they both ended up shooting seven free throws. They, they just kind of got what they wanted inside. Uh, you know, all both, uh, well, no, just one of the bigs, uh, Masalski fouled out in that game. So they, there just wasn't an answer for what Gonzaga is doing inside. And like their size is San Francisco's size is good. I just don't know if it's versatile enough to hang with with this Gonzaga team that's that's big and can move around and they're big everywhere like even guys like Nimhard who's you know kind of a, a he's a basically a semi point guard for this team 
is like six five, and he's a problem for every like everybody's bigger than whoever they're playing against. You know, Julian Strother's six seven, six eight on the wing, and they like teams like teams in the West Coast Conference just don't have bodies to match up with that. You know, they're throwing out these six foot three, six foot four wings to try to stop him. And like I said, when Masalski fouls out, there's really no answer for what Gonzaga is doing. So, it, again, I, I don't I don't know what number it would take. But I'm certainly not lining up to bet against Gonzaga these days, especially like as the season comes to an end. They, they, yeah, they're just too much for me. All right, let's get into best bets. Like I said, one and one this week. My one was a disastrous loser uh, with Cornell, who I thought was really going to give kind of an all-in effort. And they got swept this weekend, Friday and Saturday. They lose to Dartmouth and Harvard, Harvard in overtime. Um, but that game was, you know, Cornell was was in good shape up until about a, a minute and a half left in the game. It was a tie ball game, and um, Dartmouth just they started hitting shots, started hitting free throws, and Cornell fell apart. So uh, it was a, a really weird game. Cornell being one of the better offenses in in the Ivy um, for them to score fifty nine points. In that game, something was clearly off. You know, maybe I should have seen it. But a team that plays at a top ten tempo uh, is is top ten or I mean top fifteen in the country in points per game, and just laid a complete egg against a bad Dartmouth team. And now they're kind of bubbly on whether or not they're going to make that uh, that Ivy League tournament. So for me, I am going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with Louisiana Tech in this game. Uh, Louisiana Tech. We're going to project as minus four on Thursday at Rice. And Louisiana Tech is a team that I've liked this season. I I like their coach. Uh, They're a team that I thought maybe early in the season, like they were going to be right there, UAB, North Texas level in this conference. And as the conference has gone on, I don't think that they're that. I think they're probably just the notch below. But I also thought Rice was going to be better than they were. Uh, Rice was a team that I kind of had some high hopes for coming into this season. And they looked decent early. And once conference play started up, it it became obvious that they were going to be able to beat up on the bad teams, the Southern Misses, the UTSAs. They were going to struggle when they got pushed. And they, they, they I say that with the caveat that they beat UAB early in the season in a, a real shocker at home. Um, but in in the rematch, they got drubbed last week at, at UAB, and they've lost three straight. Uh, they've lost. They you would say they've lost four straight, but they played Jarvis Christian, who is a not a D one opponent. No, they're not. Uh, oh no, no, nope. Um, and th- the wins before that, UTSA, Southern Miss, like I said, bottom of the barrel teams. You know, really, those are the two worst teams in conference. So it's been a while since, you know, going back to like mid-January since you saw anything really positive out of this Rice team. And Louisiana Tech is the kind of team that is going – they're going to exploit the weaknesses of Rice defensively. Rice is a – they're a, a fine offensive team. Uh, they, they shoot the ball pretty well. But defensively, they're just a disaster. Uh, they, they don't cause any turnovers and Louisiana Tech's not going to give them the ball, and they don't have the bodies to slow down what Louisiana Tech's going to do inside. Um, so this is a, a game where I am, I'm just saying, you know, Louisiana Tech, I think, is, is a, a much better team here 
We're we're given a short number on the road. And this feels like the time where Louisiana Tech, if they're going to make a push, be one of the top three or four seeds in conference. This is where they do it. Rice looks like maybe they folded up their tents this season. So Louisiana Tech minus four on Thursday at Rice, my best bet. Yeah, good team. Good team that I think had a pretty good run in the NIT last year as well. Um, and that might just be their level. And I don't, I don't think that Rice has, has lived up to either of our expectations this year. Well, and Louisiana Tech, like you, we've talked about this before with um, – with Kentucky and, and what Kentucky's usually at, like what like where they're at early in the season and where they end up at. And this is a team where, you know, most of their top minutes guys are freshmen and sophomores. So they're getting better as the season goes on. Uh, whereas, you know, Rice is, you know, they, they're, uh, I don't want to say they're a more significantly more experienced team but they certainly don't look like they're getting better as the season goes on, at least with the, the last few weeks being the, uh, the barometer for that. So uh, where are you headed with your best bet, Griffin? I'm going to go uh, down south a little bit further. I'm not sure how much further. Further than Louisiana? Yeah. Well, I, don't, I don't know. Like, is Florida more south than Louisiana? I'm not sure. Uh, I'll let McKenzie do the geography because he did, he did go to <laughs> Yale. So, um, so for my best bet, I'm going to go central Florida that we're projecting as a two point favorite against the university of Cincinnati. Uh, it's a Wednesday night game and hopefully um, it, that number stays below three. Um, that's probably, I'll probably play it up to in that two that we're projecting all the way up to minus four. Um, I think we saw today Cincinnati had a really tough game uh, losing wire to wire at home against temple. Um, certainly expect them to bounce back and play a little bit better uh, in their next matchup. But going on the road to UCF, and they're going to play against a lot of long uh, long athletes that play a zone. And I think Johnny Dawkins has certainly looked great at sometimes, not great at others with the defense that he employs. But um, I think the way I read Cincy is they're a team that really struggles to score, struggles to shoot. And I think that's what's going to be presented to them is a lot of opportunities to launch three-pointers. Um, I've certainly been on the wrong side of them backing SMU when they went to Cincinnati earlier this year. And, and Cincy just rained threes the whole night. So I've, I've felt that pain before. I just don't think that's as likely of a scenario from a team that doesn't shoot very well to go on the road and do anything that's uh, relatively competitive. That, As you mentioned earlier in the season, uh, UCF was looking like a, a pretty good uh, or not a bad loss for for Michigan on the road. Uh, they certainly have been playing great, but I think from where I sit with them is they're going to make it really hard on Cincy to score, uh, and there's a short home favorite, and that's kind of what I've been looking for and shooting for this season. I don't know that that home court advantage has been as strong as I was looking for, uh, but I think getting a win against ECU was, was good this weekend. Uh, no demerits, really, for a loss at Houston, but I think UCF is going to make it. Uh, they're really going to force Cincy to, to make shots that I just don't think they will. I think of UCF as a team that I'm okay playing with playing at home. I, you know, as I think that they are, it's not a great home court, but their home losses this year, Houston, which no, no shame in that temple, which was a, a close game came down to the wire and then Oklahoma by three. So th- those are your three losses at home on the season. That's, and they have a win against Michigan at home. You mentioned uh, they beat Wichita at home. So, there's there's some stuff to like about them there and then Cincinnati you know if if you they they beat Wichita last week and before that it felt like it'd been a good while since they had a win that was even 
noteworthy. And I guess maybe going back to like mid-January when they beat Tulsa, and I don't even know if Tulsa is a noteworthy win anymore. So um, I'm I'm not looking to have anything to do with Cincinnati. So I, I don't I, I haven't watched Central Florida a lot lately. But I'd certainly, with if this is the number that we're looking at, if it is that short of a home favorite, that's that's the side I would be on as well. So yeah, I mean that sounds like an, you not hating it does feel like an endorsement. And uh, thank you for Mackenzie in the back checking. Uh, Central Florida, Orlando is technically southeast of Ruston, Louisiana. So Perfect. there's your well, geography for the day. He's got it figured out. He's a smart, smart guy. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks to Mackenzie in the back for his geography lessons and for keeping us on track. Uh, Thanks to you, Griffin. Always great insight. Thanks to you, the audience. We always appreciate it. Uh, If you want to go to pregame.com, get any uh, basketball subscription or single play, use the promo code BASKETS20 at checkout. That's BASKETS20. You'll get 20% off any purchase at pregame.com. I highly recommend McKenzie's NBA package. It's very good. Uh, it, you know, obviously he's taking a little time off with the with the All Star festivities, which I can't wait to talk about the uh, the slam dunk contest tomorrow with him. That's going to be a, a fun conversation to have because it was just so riveting. Um, but any of that stuff available at pregame.com. Just use that promo code Baskets twenty. Appreciate you guys listening every week, and we will talk to you on Thursday. Good luck.